Thank you, everyone, for your faithfulness in giving. Good job. Anyone else need a miracle? <laughs> Just reach out right now. <laughs> we almost cast the bread upon the, uh, no, that would have been the juice. That would have been the sprinkling of the blood all in a new way. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, or as my pastor growing up would have said, Ruth, 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 that's Welchman, Ruth. As we are approaching um, the communion table, or it's not really a table, the communion elements on this Peretz Sunday where we continue to give thanks to the Lord for our calling and his placement here. <clears throat> and we, we recommit ourselves to that stand and we welcome his resupply and replenishment and, and all the things that he wants to give in anticipation of what's coming. Uh, I felt that the Lord was specifically directing us to this rather unusual aspect of Ruth's life. And we recognize that this story has many, many aspects to it that can be a, um, an encouragement to all of us. And this was David's great-grandparents, Boaz and, and uh, Ruth. And uh, it's, it's really an interesting thing to see the way God used her because, um, you know, she really d dwelt in a time of uncertainty, a time of seeming um, outrageous circumstances that came against her, her, her personal family, uh, her extended family, the country that she was living in. In fact, um, she lived in a time of bitterness. In fact, Naomi, her mother-in-law, uh, I don't think she went down to the courthouse and officially changed her name, but she said, uh, from now on, just call me Mara. You know, I'm bitter. You know, I'm bitterness. And Ruth kept her head above all of that and kept her eyes on the, um, the, 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 the identity that God was giving to her. Now, Boaz represented something else. And, of course, we know his name from uh, many other teachings that we have enjoyed together, particularly concerning the temple, Solomon's temple, which would have been um, his great-great-grandfather. Uh, um, Boaz was the left pillar and Jachin was the right pillar uh, leading into the temple. And the right, Jachin, meant to be strong and to be established, which is what we need to be as prophets. If we're going to prophesy about something, if we're going to live a prophetic life, we have to, we have to take a stand. And God's, um, God's answer, his provision, is going to come in the left, according to his timing, in a Boaz uh, measure and Boaz means efficacy. It means quickness. It means speed. 
uh, as I was studying this week, I, I was made aware of the fact that the, uh, the translators of the Septuagint, and many of you will find this interesting, <clears throat> used um, uh, Iscus to describe Boaz. And that really indicated that part of having an Iscus anointing from the throne for or Iscarus on behalf of the, the continents and the nations is that you wait on the timing of God, that you act in accordance to what he has prophesied, and you stay in alignment with that. And when the suddenly comes of provision and breakthrough, it's going to be based upon where you've committed yourself. It's going to be based, of course, we know from the study of the powers that that's based upon what the throne says. But in, a, but in an application standpoint, you have established yourself waiting on God, waiting on the prophecy, committing yourself. And then when God says it's time, it moves and it moves quickly and it does something that's creative, but it does something that is a suddenly that really surprises but doesn't surprise. And that's really the key to walking in faith. That's what the key of David really is because God gives you authority not just so that you can go around and executive order everything, but you're in alignment with what he has said from the very beginning. And so when we see Boaz here, um, for David and David's mindset, his great-grandfather was someone who was sensitive to God, who could see through the circumstances and find a woman that God had sent and uh, who was under, as he said, under the shadow of the kanaf of, God, of, the, of Yahweh. And he, he could recognize through that vision Katie was leading us to receive in, in a newer way. He could see what God was doing, and he acted on it. He acted on it. I mean, you, you read this story. I mean, we focus a lot on Ruth, you know, I won't forsake you, don't make me leave you. You know, that's a great thing. Handfuls on purpose, those are all stem winders. But we don't often look, the book is named after Ruth, but we don't often look at how God saw to the fact of bringing this together. And that was Boaz. That was that left pillar of the temple. That was how God moved from his throne, and that's how God wanted to move from Solomon, the great-great-grandson's temple. And Boaz acted, you know. He heard the story from the young man about who, who Ruth was. He calls her forward and says, I've heard what you are, and I'm going to reward you for what you've done. You come here and sit at the table, and we're going to read this uh, this passage here in, in Ruth 2. But then he goes on from there and he goes down into the gates of the city and he talks to the, to the, to the leadership of, of the city there, which was Ephrath, which was the region of Bethlehem, and then Bethlehem was in it. And he says, I want to buy back all the lineage that uh, Naomi's uh, husband had and, and their family. Now, you all could do it. But if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. And then I'm also going to state right here and now that I'm going to, I'm going to take this woman, Ruth, to my wife. And the, what, a, what a thing. I mean, who would have thought this? 
but that man represents the way God moves in bringing about the fulfillment of what he has established from the foundation of the world and what he says from his throne. Those parallels line up amazingly throughout the Scripture. And so I I see this man Boaz, and I'm, I'm amazed at how he followed the Lord. It was a simple thing for him to do what was right. In, in obeying, as Les just said. And um, through that then, God restored that covenant identity, not only for David, not only for Solomon, but for our Lord Jesus Christ coming. Boaz, uh, that iscus power that would rock the nations, was indicated through the actions of this man. And then God God honored him. You know, Ruth may have her, her, her book name, and she rightly deserves it. But God honored him by saying, just as you have done what you've done, I'm going to name the left pillar of my temple after you. And I'm going to show how this is what I will do. If you do what is right, as Ruth did, if you commit yourself, if, if, as you say, I am not going to give place to the bitterness that's all around me. I'm not going to lament and mourn my, my, uh, my circumstances to where I make myself and everybody else miserable. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to place you in that, but you're going to overcome that bitterness, and grace is going to come through it. She really did what we should do, but God's going to do what Boaz represents. And that's how he established how his temple was constructed. And uh, I just think that is an incredible, incredible word. So we come here to Ruth chapter 2. And I'd like for us to read a couple of verses and talk about something that is not one of the top ten messages from Ruth. And there we find in Luke, uh, Ruth 2, verse 13, Then she said to Boaz, let me find grace in your sight, my Lord. One of the things I love about um, the book of Ruth is that when it says behold, a lot of times uh, when it says behold, it's translated out of the word that is the root of grace. And so when they're saying behold, uh, it's it's, uh, chapters of grace. But she says to... um, to Boaz, let me find favor or grace in your sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like one of thine handmaidens. Boaz said to her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. She sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. And so she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that which she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley, which I think was about four gallons. And she took it up and went into the city, And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Amen. We are going to enjoy communion here. 
in just a little while. And um, one of the things we've said about communion is how that when you're receiving a fresh word from God and you're moving in the empowerment of his blood, the one other thing that is absolutely imperative is that you do away with things that uh, of a bitter nature that are perhaps trying to um, establish rule and reign in your life. And you, you need to present that to the Holy Spirit so that he can cleanse and um, help you to, to not succumb to that because the enemy will hit at that. And that's part of the communion table. We've studied and taught about that many times. It's from the original Passover. It's where Jesus had uh, his hand with Judas's hand in the bowl of sop. And um, it's, it's necessary that we engage in that kind of openness that God would cleanse us. Here, this is not the communion table. This is just a meal. But they had vinegar there. And, you know, some of the commentators say that they had vinegar there because um, uh, it had some kind of a therapeutic effect that, you know, it was a cooling effect. And uh, when they were going to go back out in the, the fields, they wanted to have this kind of a, uh, you know, STP in their system so that they could keep moving no matter how hot it was. I don't. I think that's a convenient thing. I don't really believe that. Otherwise, all of us Texans would be throughout the summer uh, having shots of vinegar, you know. But you know, the thing though is, is that I I know that in many places, like in the Mid in the Mediterranean, you can have balsamic and oil, and it's just a great thing to dip. It's kind of like their version of uh, salsa. And I love, I love that. But to me, I think somewhere in the middle of that is not just that it tastes good, but it's, it's a continual reminder that no matter what you're facing in life, you need to, in, in the work, you need to keep yourself free from, um, from giving place to the bitterness that could be around you. Ruth certainly needed that. And they were using this in the same way that they did the, the, the sop. I mean, Boaz hands some parched corn, and she dips in that vinegar. In fact, he specifically says, dip in the vinegar. Um, I, I think that, you know, she's living with a woman who was a good woman, but who's changed her name to bitterness. And, you know, she married, and uh, her, her husband died. Her, the same thing happened to the other young ladies in the household and to Naomi. She could have been bitter. Uh, there were all kinds of options. Here they were back in their homeland. They, they were scrounging for a way to live. She, they could have been bitter. But Boaz starts giving favor and directs this really unusual thing. You, you, uh, you dip your morsel in the vinegar. I, I think that this is something that I could not get away from as I was going before the Lord as to what we should be doing today in our communion time. You know, our society is, is so bent on bitterness right now. Everybody, everybody has some axe to grind. And everybody has somebody to blame. And everybody is suspicious of everybody else. And, um, you know, everybody's singing the 
somebody done somebody wrong song. And it makes them feel at home. And, you know, I, I, just, I just think that we are surrounded at a, in a time of grace with the enemy putting together a sea of strife and uh, uh, a measure of bitterness to try to stop grace. And it's been working in a lot of ways. I feel an influence that I know is demonic on regular occasions as I pray or as I many times as I pull into the church lot, I feel it come against me. And, it, and I talked about it early last year. And I know that many of you have also said you felt similar things. It's kind of like a, um, a, a, an enemy assignment to, to try to cause you to become agitated and to become angry and to become um, uh, really reflective of how things aren't the way you want them to be. And um, it's, it's, almost like an, it's almost like an overwhelming, an overflowing flood that would try to captivate you and capsize you. And I'm not trying to give the enemy um, too much leeway here. I'm not trying to blame everything on the enemy. This isn't some uh, late-life crisis that I'm engaging in <laughs> hormonally. Uh, I know that all the strife that's not only in our country but in the world has welcomed a measure of every evil work in a way unlike our world has ever known. And it's trying to subterfuge the, the spirit of grace in this season. And it's, it's really something that we have to guard ourselves from partaking of. And, and I would say that throughout our days, we need to keep dipping in the sop of the Lord. And we need to continue to say, Father, watch over me. Help me. See if there be, as David said, any wicked way in me. Help me not to, to encourage vulnerability uh, of, of bitterness or um, accusation or overreaction. Or it's such a simple thing. And I'm telling you, it's, it's in, you know, the Bible speaks about being drunk on the gall of bitterness. It is an intoxicant. And it sweeps over you. If you're not careful, you, you immediately are thinking things. And, and, and you, you act on them. And it feels good to act on them. Somehow, your, 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 your mind, which is at enmity with the things of the Spirit, if you don't keep it in check, will rise up and say, yeah. And, and before you know it, it's there. And it's, it's because it's been fomented and welcomed across our nation and across the world. And it's been like a, the, 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 the fires of this has been being stoked. And it's a spiritual influence that the enemy, it's like a sacrifice that the enemy is using to try to corrupt our movement as saints and to try to stop what God is wanting to be accomplished in this time frame and really to, to, to destroy this, this country. Uh, I, I heard um, uh, Dennis Prager teaching uh, in one of those many vignettes that he speaks, and he said, you know, there's a, there's a group of, uh, there's a mindset in this country that goes against what we as Americans say we're based on. They are, they, they are not 
under God. They are not because they don't believe in God. They serve something, but they don't believe in God. They don't believe, e pluribus unum, out of many one. And they, they also don't believe in liberty. And um, I think that that is really uh, the burgeoning beginnings of what the beast, the false prophet, and the Antichrist are, are trying to establish as a foundation for what we read is going to happen in the Scripture, whenever that will be. I think it's nearer now. That, I think all of us can agree it's nearer now than at any time. I think we can at least agree to that. But uh, with that being done, the, we have to remember that the enemy hates the saints. He hates the tabernacle of David. You, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, read in the Bible. I mean, you've got the queen of heaven with the chalice full of the blood of the saints. I think that's pretty much a hateful thing, wouldn't you say? And so we have to recognize that all these influences, if possible, would try to, to, to take us out and to keep us from fulfilling what our Father needs us to fulfill. And so when I, I came upon this passage and I couldn't get it out of my spirit, and I believe that it's something the Lord wants us to say as an agenda for our life. This woman, Ruth, lived in a scenario, in a, in a, in a family existence, in, uh, in so many ways just ensconced with the option of being bitter. But yet she did not. She did not succumb to it. She kept focused to where Boaz says, you're under the kanaf of Yahweh. <laughs> I want to be there too, don't you? I want to be so committed to what the hem of his garment is doing uh, that his plan would be fulfilled so that anybody, uh, anybody that sees us would fulfill what the Scripture says. Let us take hold of the hem of your garment. Let us be called by your name. Let us go up and worship with you. That's what we have to embrace, and Ruth definitively depicted that. But Boaz, he gives this counsel. I don't want to go too far with this, but his name meaning um, an alacrity, uh, an acting upon strength, a moving suddenly with power. I mean, his name, that name, which was the left pillar of the temple of his great-great-grandson, uh, which was directed by God. That name says, you make sure you dip in this vinegar. Here, you take the bread I'm giving you, and you dip in it. And you do it in your daily walk. You do it in the midday. You do it when you've taken a break from labor and you're ready to go back to it. You do it then. Now, yes, we need to come before the table of the Lord and say, Father, even as today we come, I want to be activated by your blood. I want to be powered. I want to be, in, uh, I want to be covered by it. I want your word. I want commune with you. I want to hear that fresh rhema from your heart, and I want to align. And at this table, we dip ourselves in that bitter sop to say, Lord, search me by your spirit. If there's something in me that could go haywire, if there's a vulnerability that the enemy has targeted that he is coming for because he knows I will agree with it and it will take me out, I want you to touch that right now. And we all need it. 
We all need this work of the Spirit. We need that. But Boaz, the fulfillment of the promise, that one that will give dominion through the Lord upon continents, he says in the middle of the day, here's the bread. You dip in this vinegar. Now, I'm not trying to stretch this too far, but the point is that in their society, they were used to the bitter sop. They were used to the Passover. They were used to that. And I think that this, this is a word from the Lord that says, as we're going about our day, as we're going about our week, watch out for any kind of influences that would try to cause you to stray from your gaining victory over bitterness and keep it far from you, not just at the communion table as powerful and as efficacious as that is, but in your daily walk, in the middle of the day, and at other times, say, Father, keep me from going down that pathway because I'm telling you, this isn't just a concept. This is a very real spiritual influence. And if you don't believe it, just look at our country. You tell me if, uh, if you don't just see bitterness everywhere. It's everywhere. And I, I want to rise above it, just as Ruth did. And I want to participate in the plan of the Lord to, to stand with you to see him bring fulfillment of what he's promised. We are intercessors. We are saints before the throne. We are praying with our Lord Jesus concerning what the Father's will is. And I don't want to be a hindrance to my own prayers. I don't want to stand crossways with what God has put in my heart and what I've been praying in the Spirit and what He's been revealing. He's saying, I don't want to corrupt that. And we're the only ones that can stand against it. You know, Boaz did not dip in the bowl and jam it in her mouth in some, uh, well, let's say it this way, romantically. Here, let me feed you, dear. You know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a courtship thing. He gives her the bread, you dip it in there. So whatever bread God gives us, we need to watch in the middle of the day that we, we're guarding over against this. And if thoughts do come, if, 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 uh, uh, things that you say, I shouldn't be thinking that. I shouldn't be letting this uh, ignite within me. You do what the Apostle Paul said. You take that captive and you submit it to obedience before the mission of the anointed son to Christ. And you say, this thing has come against me, but I am going to not only submit it to you, but I'm going to see you enact vengeance on that attempt. I'm going to see you bring reward uh, in the place of what this enemy was trying to deprive. See, it's up to us to do this. And it's a good thing. I mean, you know, if Ruth can do it, you can do it. And I can do it. We, we must guard over this because uh, it is a strategy of the enemy. And we will not succumb. God finds ways of providing. You know, I, was, I said uh, at some point this last week uh, during one of the teaching times, and incidentally, I want to thank you for praying. Uh, we, we finished the, uh, the Brazilian third semester, and it was a great blessing. We look forward to what God wants to do now. Uh, next, 
But uh, I was, I just thought, with all of the challenges that we've had in this past year, I am much better off than I was last year at this time. And I bet if you looked at your life, you could say the same thing. Oh, we've had challenges. We've had issues. We've had painful things. We've had things that we really scramble to try to, to, to explain and, and really to, to digest. There have been a lot of times where I thought, I, I'm just being honest with you. Why, Lord? <laughs> Again? Why? You know, you, we think those things. But I have to say, from my own testimony, and you can give your own testimony, I'm better off right now than I was a year ago at this time. Much better off. God has worked miracles. It's been, it's been costly at times. It's been painful at times. But God is faithful. And whatever the enemy has intended, God has turned it to the good. And not only turned it to the good, but caused us to triumph. We need to have that mindset. And we should say, when darkness is upon the earth and gross darkness to people, it can, as we were talking in Sunday school, that can weigh us down if we let it. But we need to go with the rest of the verse and say, but, but God's light is going to shine upon us. And it's coming. So we are not going to give ourselves over to bitterness. That is a main concoction of the enemy right now. You won't see it on Reuters or the AP or uh, Fox or CNN. or any, They're not going to say bitterness. This just in, COVID vaccines delayed, bitterness sweeping the country. You're not going to see that. But that's the underlying thing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of them all. You know, uh, he's delivered us out of them all too, but that's coming back. Uh, you know, I said, <laughs> but my light will shine on you. But the Lord will deliver us out of the wall. It reminds me of that sermon that we used to joke about when we were uh, in Bible college. We heard this, one of the kids that was from Mississippi <laughs> heard this evangelist, and he was teaching about uh, all the scriptures that were separated by the, the three-letter word, but. Uh, I'm just going to say this. If you have a problem with it, write to Dennis. He'll, cur he'll, he'll take care of it. But this, this evangelist, he said, now we're going to have an altar call, and I want you all to come up here and lay your butts on the altar. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that was so funny. Still is. I know they'd never say anything like that in Togo, would they, Rachel? But here, you heard it first here, folks, from a Mississippi evangelist of years gone by. But the thing is, we need to remember that we are God's sons. We are the body of Christ. We are his saints, called to be and glad to be. And we have to guard ourselves because um, this is a war. We're going to win, but it's a war. And so we, I see this, and again, just so wonderfully, I've never thought of Boaz in this way. I've, I've never, it's just something burning in me, that, that left pillar, that iscus power, that, that suddenly release. And I think we're closer 
to the fulfillment of some of the major things God has promised than we've ever been. But we've got to, the words from Boaz to Ruth, you know, you know, he, you notice he didn't say at this table, come over here and sit beside me. Um, I just want to tell you, I'm impressed by you. As soon as I get the chance, I'm going to go downtown and I'm going to, I'm going to buy back all of the inheritance that uh, Naomi's husband lost. And uh, I'm also going to do whatever I have to do to make you my wife. Notice he doesn't say that. Well, it meant she might not have needed to dip her bread in the vinegar had she had that, right? She'd have been running around, being happy, running to Naomi. Guess what? You are going to get your land back, and I'm going to be married, and everything's going to be great. You know what? It, what? God's telling us right now, get ready for this bread and this wine and this bitter sop. And you believe me. But I wonder if he wouldn't also be saying, there's a fulfillment just around a corner. There is an answer, a left fulfillment to the promises you've been praying about and believing for. There is a breakthrough that's just immediately beyond. I wonder if, we could go ahead a year if we would be surprised at the things God's going to do that are just short, uh, just nothing short of miraculous. Boaz could have said those kinds of things, but instead he said, okay, dip your bread in this vinegar. I don't know if he was watching her. He, he told the guys, okay, now you, you let her just keep on doing what she needs to do out there. You let her go ahead and keep working. I mean, you know, if it was if it was us, you know, we just had Valentine's Day. But, you know, if I was Boaz and I had my eye on a, uh, if I was single and I had my eye on a girl, I might be saying, you know what? You don't have to go out there and work in that field anymore. <laughs> I'll just have them bring some stuff. You take it on home. What are you doing tomorrow night? You know? <laughs> but he didn't do that, did he? He did not do that. He gave her the way to continue to demonstrate who she was and to overcome any measures of bitterness, full, fully knowing what he had intended and what was going to be because he was the one that was going to do it. So as we come before this table of communion today, I want to ask you to consider this mandate throughout the week. I mean, it might not be a bad thing that every time you eat, uh, you, you go before the Lord and give Him thanks, but you say, Lord, search me. I don't have any vinegar here in front of me. But spiritually, I want you to touch that place and gird me up so that I will triumph in grace and not succumb to bitterness. It's such an easy thing to do, but it's so easy to overcome if we follow what God says. The answer, the fulfillment, 
the, the next steps of victory, the, the reaper is right near. God's been telling us, Sha'al, for the former and the latter rain. It's coming. It's on the doorstep. But we have to be faithful to the end because he that endureth to the end is going to gain that crown. And I want that crown. Don't you? So, as we come to this table, let's, on this last Sunday of the month, give thanks to the Lord for what He's called us to be and what we are as, uh, through the gift of Jesus Christ as, his, as sons of the Most High. And uh, let's, let's thank Him for this house and for the way that He's provided for us. I'm so grateful that with all of the Arctic blast, we didn't really have any problems here at the church. And I know Ruby's glad for that, too, because we would have been the ones having to get it fixed. So I'm, I'm very grateful, but I'm more so grateful for the calling that God has invested here and what it means for the kingdom and what it means for the nations of this earth. And that Boaz pillar, that Iskra's power, is... is um, is, is ready to erupt in a suddenly of the Lord. So as we come, we need what God wants us to have at this point, and we need to say, Father, I dip my hands and I dip my heart into this bitter sop spiritually. See me, cleanse me, make me ready. But then, every day this week, let's go before the Lord and say, Father, thank you for your grace, and thank you that you have given me everything I need to succeed. Help me not to stumble into bitterness. Help me not to have bitter root judgments. Help me not to fail in grace and cause any roots of bitterness to rise up. Don't let me be succumb. Don't let me succumb to the gall of bitterness that makes you drunken with its agenda. This is something we need to be doing proactively. Every day, the answer is right on the doorstep. And um, we're not Mary and Boaz. We are, we are uh, the bride of Christ. And uh, he's going to watch over us, and he is watching over us. So I speak blessing over all of you. And I call forth your identity and the pathway that God has so uniquely crafted you to fulfill and I ask that God would strengthen you and supply you and bring health and life and vitality in every way that you need it. And I speak the empowerment of the Spirit of God over your calling and the pathway that is just in front of you. Let us all march along that pathway triumphantly together, not one of us falling. In Jesus' name. And Father, as we come to this table today, meet with us. And let your, your anointing and your blessing shower down upon this very special place that you've planted us in. And I also ask that you would bless the places where your saints are gathering around the world. Those people that are listening to us right now and who will partake of this through the archives, uh, Father, I just we speak from this house, we speak blessing over every one of you. And we're, we're honored to be walking this pathway with you. And we, we, we release blessing 
an encouragement into your life. And Father, thank you for this. Be with us now as we come before your table. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm inviting you to come, and you can partake, and you can spend as much time as you would like in uh, prayer. And this, uh, these next couple Sundays are going to be times at the end of the service, uh, the Sunday morning service, for prayer. And um, I'm grateful to be uh, aligned with all of you. So let's come, let's meet with the Lord, and God bless all of you. Okay? Amen.